0: Good morning. My name is Ariana Woods, and I've been a member of this church for my whole life. And it's a blessing to be able to stand before you this morning and share how the Lord has worked in my life. I just graduated from Jefferson City High School in December, and I am now attending the State Technical College of Missouri in Lynn. It's no secret that the junior and senior year of high school is one of the most stressful times in a person's life. Choosing what you want to be for the rest of your life is no easy task, but that wasn't the only struggle I was having. I was severely depressed with struggling relationships, grades, self-worth issues, and most of all, my faith was spiraling downwards. I simply just thought I was made different than everyone else, and as silly as this sounds, I felt like I genuinely had a problem. I ran from my problems and did not want to acknowledge them until I dug myself into a deep hole that was too unbearable to endure. I asked for help, which if you know me, I do not do very often. I started seeing a counselor, and I was soon diagnosed with depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, and attention deficit disorder. After I was diagnosed, everything seemed to make sense as to why I was struggling so much in my life. The Depression made me so down in the dumps that I was not motivated to do anything, let alone get out of bed. The anxiety forced doubt and hopelessness into everything I did, and into relationships I had. The OCD altered my priorities into an order that put others' needs before my own when I needed to put myself first. Lastly, the ADD caused me to struggle while paying attention in class, which took a toll on my grades. As you can imagine, with all of this on my shoulders, I was very stressed out, and my faith took a tumble. I was certainly not the Ariana that I wanted to be. I was neither the happiest nor the most motivated that I could be, and there was only one reason, my faith. I was struggling with my faith, and I needed God in my life more than ever, but I was blind to see his love at the time. I was unaware until one day it hit me like a brick. I was in my last semester of high school, and I was working the closing shift at the YMCA as a lifeguard. With being a lifeguard, I have a lot of time to sit and think. I was thinking about how everyone around me could be so happy and motivated despite the despite the events happening in their life. My mother still continued to wake up every day, ready to take on the day despite having some of the same disorders that I have. My father had an enormous amount of stress on his plate, but he still had the strength to put on his face, but he still had the strength to put a smile on his face and make everyone laugh and feel loved. My sister had a thousand things going on in her life, but still radiated sunshine through everything she did. What did these people have that I didn't? How could they be going through something so difficult and be doing so well, but I'm trying so hard to do well and I can't seem to? Then the brick hit me. The answer was God. They all had a strong faith in God who empowered them through everything that they did. This point brings me to the Bible verse I have for us this morning. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. From this point on, I started to dive into my faith in hopes to find the deep connection I had with God at one point in time. Fortunately for me, I was able to regain the connection and my whole world turned up. Everything I did was done with such passion and happiness that all aspects of my life were positively changed. I would say that I would say Philippians 4.13 in my head whether I needed encouraging or even if I was doing really well. My grades lifted enough that I was not only able to make good grades, but I did extra classes and graduated a semester early from high school. I was motivated enough to make life plans, including college. Working two jobs was soon not as stressful as it once was, and I could go through my weeks with ease. My relationships with everyone were able to become healthy again and my heart, after being broken, was repaired. I finally didn't need to search for anything anymore because I had found what I was missing, God. I didn't need a lot of friends, money, a boyfriend, or to be the prettiest girl in the world because I had God and I could do all things through him. Now, you may be thinking, how does this impact my life? I'm not a senior in high school, and I don't have the conditions that this girl has. Well, you certainly don't have to be in my exact shoes to learn something because everyone has their each individual struggles and everyone needs God. Kids have struggles with starting at a new school or on a sports team, and they need to find they need the strength of God to overcome this fear. Teens go through the struggles of heartbreak, drama, high school, and finding their place in the world. But these become easier with God by their side. Adults start jobs, get married, and have kids, which is all extremely stressful, but eases with the comfort of God's love. Parents, including mine, are going to have to go through the empty nest stage where their kids leave the house and start their own lives. The parents are left to adjust to a quieter house and put trust into kids to not make too many mistakes on their own, even if they get three speeding tickets. <laughs> but God helps me to calm down from their frustration and love me anyways. Older adults go through retirement and need to adjust to the extra time they have on their hands and what they would like to do with it which God eases. Lastly, most of us can relate to the loss of a loved one or even knowing someone with an illness. These events cause us to doubt our faith because we simply cannot fathom why bad things happen to good people or how we can go on from there. But we do know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Even in times when we feel the weakest, God's love strengthens us to have the courage we need in our lives to succeed. While you and I are human and far from perfect, we are so very blessed to have his love radiate upon us with each and every step we take. We don't have to feel alone or afraid because we know that this life is unpredictable and only one thing is certain. We are loved and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us.
1: Good morning everyone. My name is Stephen Rogers. I am a senior attending Jefferson City High School and I have attended First Baptist Church for many years. I'm going to drop a bombshell on you all. I am a sinner. I am an imperfect person living in an utterly imperfect world. I have lied. I have cheated. I have stolen. I have lusted. I have been wrathful. I have been slothful. I have been greedy. I have been a glutton. I have been prideful. And I have been envious. I am an utterly sinful man, whose track record is consistent in its horridness. And yet, I am holy, I am righteous, and I am redeemed. How could this be? What I have just described to you should not, in the eyes of logic, be possible. How can a man be sinful and yet holy, wretched and yet righteous, imperfect, and yet perfect? The answer is not long. It is not difficult. In fact, it consists of only one word, or rather one name, Jesus. About eight or nine years ago, I, like so many others, became a child of divorce. Divorce was always something that 10- or 11-year-old me thought would never happen in my family, I had friends who would talk to me about how their mother or father had left or how their parents had permanently separated. And while I would do my best to sympathize with them, I looked at their situations completely unable to understand. What could possibly cause a man and woman who had once loved each other so very much to separate? It was a question that I could not then answer. All that I knew was that it would never happen to my family. How wrong I was. When my parents announced to both myself and my brother that they were separating, I was devastated. I remember clinging on to my mother and asking, Why? It was a question that would not be answered until several years later. What had happened in my family would go on to affect me to this very day, and in many ways. For a long time, I would ask myself questions as to why this horrible event had occurred. Did dad do something to mom? Did mom do something to dad? Did I do something to both of them? Did I cause this? Am I the reason for an incalculable amount of suffering in a single family? Time passed, and things slowly but surely began to fade into semi-normal. My brother Nathan and I would visit our father on alternating weekends, and we would live with our mother for the rest of the time. We understood this arrangement. Our father's job required him to travel a lot. But still, things hurt. I still could not understand why the separation had to have occurred at all. My parents would tell me over and over and over again that their separation had absolutely nothing to do with Nathan and I. And even though I believed them in my head, I did not do so in my heart. But even so, things began to get better. A routine had been established in both homes that I was able to adapt to, and things were starting to look as though, although not perfect, they were coming back to favorable. About three and a half years into this routine, there came a day where my father sat my brother and I down at the kitchen table, telling us he had an important announcement. I did not know what to expect. Were we getting a pet? Were we taking a vacation? Had we been conned into doing the dishes? None of the above our father announced to us that he was dating someone. I was quite happy for him, but there were many questions that began to float through my mind. What is going to happen to the routine? Will Dad get married to this person? How will having three parents work? Will Mom remarry as well? Fast forward about two and a half years. My father did end up marrying the woman he had started to date, and we now lived in a house that was substantially larger than the apartment Dad had had before We also had two dogs now, and they were just as sweet and energetic as one would expect dogs to be. We ate well, I had good grades at school, a large friend group, a talent for music, and I belonged to two loving and wonderful churches. Looking to the outside of my existence, one would have trouble finding anything wrong. Looking to the inside, however, I was falling apart. Even though my dad had had remarried It had not fixed every problem that poked its ugly head into our lives. And now there was a large, gaping problem that could not be ignored or bypassed in any sense or fashion. Dual custody was about to happen. I remember being enthusiastic about the idea when it was first announced, but I also remember being vehemently opposed to it once some time had passed. Disagreements and arguments had begun to spring up left and right between my father and stepmother, and soon it began to feel like we disagreed on everything, except politics and religion. We soon began to spar verbally on what was best for me. And I would be be accused of not doing what was best for myself, and I would accuse them of trying to control me and force me into being something that I wasn't. There is a lot about those arguments that I will not disclose. To sum it up, though, they were never pretty, they never produced lasting fruit, and all of us were at fault or how they were conducted. I thought that things would get better as time went on. The saying, time heals all wounds, was one that would play through my head unconsciously, and was one that could accurately summarize my attitude towards the situation. As long as I do not give up, I thought, this family will heal. I did not give up. Things did not heal. In fact, things got steadily worse. I had begun to worry about things that were not even feasible, let alone possible. But the anxiety that filled me was crippling, nonetheless. I had begun to blame myself for all of the problems and shortcomings of my family. I had begun to relentlessly and mercilessly beat myself up for all of my failures. I had begun to tear myself apart. There came a week where I went over to Dad and Jennifer's house. Dual custody had happened the previous summer, where I was in a particularly dark place. I remember my heart feeling like a brick in my chest and myself having to constantly hold back tears. I remember attempting to maintain a neutral, emotionless face, but instead maintaining a face that looked lifeless and hopeless. When I got to their house, yet another one of our infamous arguments broke out. Once again, it fixed nothing, and all of us were at fault. But this time, it was the final straw. On March the 5th, 2018, I harmed myself. What I would only discover later after conversation with my family was that in the act I had committed, I had done nothing but hurt people who cared about me in my life. I had not fixed my problems. I had just created more. But the me of then couldn't grasp that yet. The me of then's mind was clouded with too much anger, regret, and sorrow to understand that. Problems did not stop after that. I still sparred with my father and stepmother. I still felt totally and utterly depressed at times. There were times I felt worthless, and those times would continue to blanket me from day to day to day to day. I had a conversation with my father on the Saturday following my second occurrence of self-harm. Most of what happened in that conversation will be, for now, between myself, my father, my counselor, and God. But there was something beautiful that came from it. God came upon my family and wrapped us all tightly into his loving arms. In that moment, there was no hate, no bitterness, no anger, and no sorrow. There was only Jesus. I will tell you something I realized in the midst of this conversation. I am a child of God. You see, that's a fact that I had told myself several, several, several times before then, but never fully grasped. In that moment, I realized that I was more loved than anything I could have possibly imagined, more wanted than a celebrity, more worthful than anything this world has to offer. In that moment, I discovered once again what it meant to be a child of God. And although there still might be struggle, there still may be difficulties between us, there still may be times where I'm a knucklehead, and there still may be times where we get on each other's nerves. But thanks to Jesus, things are getting better. And I have faith they will continue that way. Ladies and gentlemen, the verse I chose for today is one of the most well-known in the Bible, John 3.16. It reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It is my opinion that this verse, even though it is one of the most well-known in the Bible, is one that people do not understand to its fullest. We know that God loves us. We know he sent his one and only son to die for us. And we know that if we believe and accept Jesus into our hearts, while our bodies may die, our souls will forever live with Jesus in heaven.
2: We know these things. But do we always consider and believe them to the fullest? Because there have
1: been times where I haven't. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you and I. For God so loved every one of the people he created. For God so loved every single person in sinful humanity so much, he gave his one and only son. He gave up his beloved and only son, that whosoever believes in him, That whosoever, it doesn't matter who, believes that he died on the cross for our sins past, present, and future. That we will not die, we shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Shall not body and soul die, but live evermore with he who loves you more than you could ever wrap your head around. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I do not know what your troubles are. What your story is. I do not know how you have been wronged or how you have sinned. I do not know your aches, your cries, your wishes, your fears, or your dreams. But Jesus does. He knows you even better than you know yourself. He knows your troubles. He knows your story. He knows how you have been wronged, how you have sinned. He knows your aches, your cries, your wishes, and your dreams. And he loves you more than you could ever know. My dear friends in Christ, I do not care who you are. I do not care what you've done. I do not care what you think you have done. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. That's right, for you. He loves you desperately and with more passion than can be imagined. He longs to have a relationship with each and every person on this planet, no matter what their sins and wrongdoings may be. He loves you. And if you ever feel worthless, unworthy, unloved, or undeserving, then boy do I have news for you. If you are worth the blood of the Savior, you are worth more than this world could possibly have to offer. There's a song by a band called 10th Avenue North that I really like called Times. And the chorus goes like this.
2: I hear you say my love is over, it's underneath. It's inside, it's in between. The times you doubt me, when you can't feel. The times that you question, is this for real? The times you broken. The times that you mend, the times you hate me, and the times that you bend. Well, my love is over. It's underneath. It's inside. It's in between. These times of healing when your heart breaks. The times that you feel like you're falling from grace. The times you're hurting. The times that you heal, the times you go hungry and are tempted to steal. In times of confusion and chaos and pain, I'm there in your sorrow under the weight of your shame. I'm there through the heartache, I'm there in the storm. My love, I will keep you by my power alone. I don't care where you've fallen, where you have been. I'll never forsake you, my love never ends never ends
1: my brothers and sisters in christ god loves you